Hi, my name's Ken Willis, and I've been asked to share a few words for why I serve at Centerpoint. Serving is an important part of church for me because as I read the Bible and dive into the Word, I hear God telling me that I need to love others. And the way I do that is by serving others with my time and energy. I serve on the breakdown team. Uh, me and my wife are connect group leaders. We've been doing that for several years. And we, I'm also serve as a deacon. When I first started growing in my faith, I would read the Word a lot. And I would see, uh, I would feel like there was something I was missing. And once I started serving, I could feel I was putting my faith into practice. The funny thing about serving others is when I get to spend time with other people and other believers, I get to really get to know them better. I get to build deeper relationships and you get to understand them more. And it's also, you know, fun. I enjoy spending time with my friends and it's an opportunity to just do God's work together. At the end of it all, what I'd like to hear is my Heavenly Father tell me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope that when you hear Ken talking about him serving here at our church and being grateful for it, uh, we want that to be the experience of every single person who gets involved with our church. Because when we serve the Lord together, we're accomplishing something terribly important. In fact, it ties in with our whole series here that we're in the story because one of the ways that God wants to get us in the story, that we're still involved in the story, is that he's always wanted to create a people for himself who will be his priests in the world, people who represent him to a lost and hurting world. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, you, this is speaking of believers here, you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. That sounds a lot like what Moses said to the people when he was explaining to them what God wanted for them. God told his people as they were gathered at the base of Mount Sinai when Moses was going to get the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 19, the Lord said, You will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. God has always wanted his people to be involved in ministry. And not just involved, but to embrace it and to enjoy it, to be actively serving as his agents in the world of peace and of love and of hope. So today I want to talk about what Peter said. He said, we are royal priests. And I want to spend some time unpacking that because those two words don't mean much to us. If you didn't grow up in a Catholic or Episcopal tradition, we don't even think about priests. We're not familiar with what priests do. And in America, we don't have a royal family. We can't even agree on who we want to be president every four years, okay? We're, we don't get this. And so I want to talk about what it means to be a royal priest. Because the only, I mean, I, we don't even talk like that. I mean, I thought my brother was a royal pain while I was growing up. But I never thought of him as a royal priest or myself. But that's who we are. And I want to unpack that for us today because it's vitally important we understand what Peter's talking about. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, today I pray that you will guide us. We thank you for your word. I thank you that you inspired Peter to write these words. And you remind us of who we are in Christ and help us understand what Peter was talking about when he said we're a bunch of royal priests or what you were telling the people at the base of Mount Sinai, a whole nation of priests. I mean, how does that even work? What does that mean? So today, Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts, move me out of the way and explain this to us. 
In the name of Christ, I pray these things. Amen. Well, first of all, what it means, I want to welcome all those of you who are worshiping with us online as well. You can find an outline just like we have here if you go to centeringlives.com. But I would tell us that uh, Peter is talking about, first of all, when we talk about royalty, we have, we're talking about identity. And what he meant was that God gives us a new identity when he adopts us into his royal family. I mean, when Peter was saying, you are royal priests, the original audience, they did live under a monarchy or they lived under a, an emperor from Rome. And the only way you could become a part of the royal family was either through marriage or adoption. And Paul wants to make it abundantly clear, and Peter wants to make it abundantly clear, that we're adopted into God's family. That's how we get in. I mean, it would have sounded impossible to say, hey, I'm part of royalty. I'm nobody. But listen to what Peter said. He goes on in 1 Peter 2, once you had no identity as people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. And when Paul was talking about this, he said, we become members of God's royal family through adoption. He explains this. The only way I'm ever going to become royalty is if Christ adopts me. And the great news is he loves us, and for all who come to him, we can be born again into his family. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? I mean, our past doesn't matter anymore. We're new creations. Listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 1. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I am a child of the king. I am a child of the king. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, would you say that with me, please? I am a child of the king. Well, that changes things because the devil has a message out there that you are not the child of the king, a child of the king. You are worthless. You will never escape your bad habits and your addictions. You're a fool. Think of all the stupid decisions you made. You're an embarrassment. In fact, there will be people in, our, in your life and in my life who will gladly get that message out in front of us all the time. And you get out of line just a little bit on social media, people will pile on and tell you how worthless and horrible you really are. And sadly, sometimes we forget all about the fact that when we come to Christ, we have a brand new identity. He's adopted us into his family. And we believe all those lies. Hmm. There's a life application for you and me. We're no longer orphans. We are children of the king. I'm not a spiritual orphan. I mean, an orphan has to take care of himself. I'm now in God's family. You received God's spirit. This is Paul again in Romans 8. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. See, if I want to understand my place in this world, if I want to understand my place and my identity at all as a Christian, I have to embrace this, that I am a co-heir with Jesus. I am an heir of God. I'm adopted into God's family. All the forgiveness that God intends to give anyone, he's given me. All the grace he intends to give anyone, he's given me. His love can now flow on me and flow through me. I'm one of his children. 
I mean, you could meditate on this for hours. But to help us think about it a little bit, inside your bulletin, if you're here with us in person, again, on our website at sermonlives.com, you'll find a little table where I've just compared the thinking of a spiritual orphan versus a royal priest. And so you, if you're here in person, just take that out for a second. If I am a spiritual orphan, I feel rejected and insecure and unloved because I'm on the street all by myself. But if I'm adopted into God's family, he chose me, he accepts me as I am and is working with me, and I am deeply loved by God himself. If I'm a spiritual orphan, I am self-reliant, confused, and weak because nobody else is looking out for me. But if I am a royal priest, then God is guiding me, he is gifting me, and he is empowering me. If I'm a spiritual orphan, I am anxious and fearful. If I am a royal priest, if I have seen myself as I truly am, part of God's family, I am secure and confident and peaceful, no matter what my circumstances. If I'm a spiritual orphan, I'm focused on myself. If I am part of God's family, I'm looking for opportunities to serve others. See, if I'm an orphan, i got to keep everything to myself. If I'm a child of the king, I can afford to be generous because dad's got lots of resources. And if, I give, and if he tells me to give some away, it just means he's going to give me more. Hey, if this is good news to you, would you say amen? See, I can be generous with my time because I know my heavenly father will multiply my time. I can be generous with my forgiveness even if people haven't been forgiving toward me because of all the forgiveness he's given me. Jesus said, you can't out-forgive me. You're a child of the king now. You're an heir to the kingdom. Why would you live like a pauper? I can even share my resources freely because I've, I've I'm going to be living on, in a house in heaven that the Lord himself is preparing for me with streets of gold. I'm not taking anything here with me. I can afford to be as generous as God allows me to be. I mean, it's just amazing stuff. If I'm a spiritual orphan, I have to spend all my time working on getting my identity from my appearance, my accomplishments, from all of my possessions. Because i got to project constantly that I've got it all together, even when I'm caving on the inside. But if I'm a child of the king, even when I am caving on the inside, I can run home every night and I can go, oh, father, oh, dad, I'm getting crushed out here. Would you help me? And he will give me love and acceptance and forgiveness and he'll restore me. And so my identity comes from my relationship with my heavenly father and my relationship with my brothers and sisters because I'm part of God's family. It's like I'm born again. Yeah. That's who we are. And I want to take a minute here and remind us because Peter said this is so important. If you understand at all what life is about, you got to embrace this. Through Christ, I have a brand new identity. I am a child of the king. Can we say that one more time? I am a child of the king. Now, if we embrace that, that takes us to the next point on your outline. God also gives us a new purpose when he calls us to be his priests. We're royal because we're part of God's family, and now we're priests because this is the purpose that God has for his children in this world. He didn't just take us up to heaven. He left us here. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, Peter goes on and says that. Now, since you're a part of God's family, as a result, you can show others all the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. I mean, here's what priests do, and I've got kind of a flip chart here. 
Priests are the people who stand in between sinful people and holy God. The priests are the ones who take the instructions from God and they teach and they instruct what God, how God wants us to live. People, priests are also the people who take the people's problems and their fears and their confessions to God and they pray for sinful people. I mean, that's what a priest did in the Old Testament. They would offer sacrifices on behalf of sinful people and they would then come back and remind people that God had forgiven of their sins, forgiven them of their sins. A priest is the one who gets to show God's love and his forgiveness. A priest is the one who helps people bear their burdens and their pain. That's you and me. And so when we're in this world, if we see ourselves as royal priests, hey, I'm part of God's family, and so he has left me here in this world to bring sinful people to him and to bring his love and forgiveness to sinful people. I also get to demonstrate this by the way I act. People get to watch me live out my faith. They get to watch me and my kids and my family, how I deal with disappointments and things, how I love others. Oh, this is what God wants us to be. And when the people would watch the priest offer the sacrifices, they'd listen to him and other things, and he would take some of the blood that was sacrificed and sprinkle it on the altar, and some of the blood would sprinkle on the people. This is for the, the, the payment for the sins. This is God's forgiveness on you. Well, we get to introduce people and be in that intermediary spot. Mm. So we can show others the goodness of God, for he called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. I don't know if you've thought about this lately, but there are all kinds of people around us, at our work, at our school, in our neighborhoods, in our families, who desperately need Jesus, and they need people to be praying for them. By the way, we did a series on, called Dangerous Prayers back in January. And tucked away in that book, there's a good examination. If you want to do a self-examination to see when's how you're doing when you pray, am I really being a good pray, priest and lifting people up? All I have to do is ask myself this question. If all of the prayers I've prayed over the last two weeks were answered immediately by God, would anybody else's life change or just mine? I mean, think about this. If God said yes to every prayer I've prayed over the last two weeks, okay, I lost five pounds, uh, I got the new job, the neighbor's dog quit barking. This is amazing, okay? Fine. Did anybody come to know Christ? Did that person down the street who seemed so lonely all the time, did they find a friend? Did God give me the boldness to go and talk to a friend of mine who's in a dangerous relationship and I'm worried about them? Did I pray any of those things? Because if I accept my identity that this is what I'm doing, then that's what I pray about. Not just me. And remember, I don't have to just pray about myself. I have a heavenly father. He knows my needs. I can take my needs to him, and that's great, but I'm going to take your needs and my neighbor's needs because my heavenly father loves us all. That changes things. Now, if you're going, well, John, I can't be a priest. I mean, I can't be in ministry. I'm, 
I don't know even how to do any of that. I wouldn't be smart enough or strong enough. Well, it's important to note this, that God equips and empowers us to be his priests. If he calls us to do this, this is what the Holy Spirit enables us to do. Paul, again, Romans 12, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, well, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, well, then do it gladly. I mean, this is what's so great. As a church, we come together. The Holy Spirit works in all of us in all these different ways. And so we can pool our resources, pool our giftings, and then we can do a better job serving together as royal priests where we can pray for lots of people and we can teach lots of people and demonstrate lots of forgiveness and love. I mean, that's what we're doing here. I want you to hear from Aaron Bowman, another one of our uh, members of our church who's involved and in using her gifts for God's glory. My name is Erin, and I'm married to Randy, and I have four kids, and we came to Centerpoint about five years ago. Two summers ago, Celia asked me um, to help teach at Vacation Bible School just one night. She was like, you can do just one night for us. We'd appreciate it. I thought that'd be easy. One night, it's not a big deal. But it turned out to be an extraordinary night. Um, the kids really loved it. Celia loved it. I loved it. I ended up having a really good time. And after that, Celia said, we need you downstairs. We need you in Kids Central. And I'm like, no, no. I teach every single day at PCA, and I don't want to teach on Sunday mornings, too. And we went back and forth all summer with that exact conversation every time she saw me. So she and April prayed over me and I went home and I talked to Randy and I prayed about it and I knew she was right. I just didn't want to add another day of teaching. But from the very first week I started, I have, I have loved it. It has become the highlight of my week now. I am convinced that God empowers us to do what he calls us. I do not believe that um, we are equipped on our own anyway. Um, that he is the one who equips us and so if he wants us to do something he's going to give us the skills to do it or he's going to give us a spirit or both um, and that is absolutely what happens on sunday mornings in kids central so aaron is using her gifts and abilities she's a teacher and she was clear on how she could use it during the week but i mean did god want her to use that at church too it's like oh yeah and man i mean the kids love her well, he's gifted you with things, too. We just read some of these giftings, and God gives us all kinds of different gifts. And he gives us the power and the desire to do this. And so we can confidently say, I am a royal priest. Would you say that with me? I am a royal priest. One more time. I am a royal priest. And together, we're a whole bunch of priests. Now, that brings up one more thing that God accomplishes here, and that is that God gives us a new perspective on our time in this world. He does. He gives us a brand new perspective. Because now I see myself as part of God's family, a child of the king. Now I see myself as a priest. I'm not here just taking care of myself. I'm not an orphan. Dad's got plenty of resources. I can be generous. I can be kind. So Peter said this, dear friends, 
then I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, and then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. Now I have a different perspective. I'm a temporary resident here. I'm adopted into God's family. That's my identity. I'm a royal. He's left me here for a purpose, to demonstrate his love to sinful people and to bring the problems of sinful people to him in prayer and to serve them in any way that he gifts me and empowers me and opens my eyes to serve. And now I understand that I'm just a temporary resident. I'm only here for a few years. This is a limited time offer. So I need to make the most of every day at school. I need to make the most of every day at work. I need to make the most of all my time with my family. That changes my perspective. I'm not just praying for new shows to come out on Netflix. I got more. There's more. So I want you to hear from Reed Toller, another one of the members of our church, and how this dawned on him as he was serving here as a volunteer. Hi, my name is Reed Toller, and my wife and I started attending Centerpoint roughly about 10 years ago. And since we have been a part of Centerpoint, we've volunteered in many different ways. Uh, I've mainly been on the worship team. I've served as a connect group leader. Um, I've been on the deacon board and also served as an elder. When I first started the worship team, I was finishing up law school and uh, I sat down with both Tommy and Shelly and talked to them about, about how God was making me feel like I needed to be into ministry and I felt like that I had three years wasted in law school. And Tommy sat me down and told me that just because I wanted to go into ministry doesn't mean that I had to be working for a church on Sunday mornings, that I could do ministry right there in the law field. I specialize in bankruptcy, do wills and estates, but the bankruptcy is, is an opportunity for me to, to meet people when they're down. Uh, give them an opportunity to get back on their feet, just like Christ does with us when He forgives our sins. Just He lets us to get back on our feet. And then a few years ago, Ashley and I started to raise Texas Longhorns. We never thought that God would use Texas Longhorns as a ministry opportunity, but when I took the mentality that Tommy and Shelly led me to, and I realized that God can use me anywhere. A friend that we met through Longhorns who's been diagnosed with terminal cancer, she gets her treatments done in Montgomery, and when she has her treatments, a lot of times she'll come out to the house just to visit the Longhorns, and uh, we'll spend time with her, and it gives her an opportunity to enjoy God's creation, but also to take her mind off the cancer. We've had opportunities to pray with her and just be there for her in a time of need. A core conviction at Centerpoint is that we all have a part to play in this. Um, you can do it by being on the worship team, you can do it by being a connect group leader, but don't let that limit you. You can also do it in a cow pasture like I'm doing it. You can do it at a law office, you can do it at your job. There's so many opportunities that, that um, people miss because they're not aware. And you know, all we're trying to do is just share the love of Christ with people. He said, look, when I started volunteering, I realized, oh, I love ministry. I feel like this is what God has created me for. Ken, when we started the message today, he was saying, 
I've been reading about God's love and I realized I need to demonstrate it. And when I did, I felt like I was growing and becoming who God wanted me to be. When Aaron is talking about, oh, now I'm going to use my gift even on Sundays. And this is now the best part of my week. Well, this is a whole perspective shift. I'm not a spectator. I'm in the game. I am not a spectator. Can we say that together? I am not a spectator. I'm a royal. I'm a child of the king. I'm a priest. I can bring the burdens and the pain of the sin and the sin of people around me to holy God, and I can bring God's love and forgiveness and a new relationship with him to sinful people. I can demonstrate and teach this by my very life because I can just live it out where God has put me. And now I have a different perspective. So one more thing, last point I want to make today. If all that's true, and it is, then we need to get in the game. Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. So again, if you're here in person or if you're watching with us online, you can go to centeringlive.com serve. But if you're here in person, I'd encourage you to take out this card that you have that you should have received on your way in. It's just a list of places where you can serve. Hebrews 10 said, y'all ought to think of ways to encourage each other and spur one another on to love and good deeds. Well, we thought of ways. Here are some of the ways. You could serve in the children's ministry, the student ministry, the connect group ministry, on the usher team, prayer team, worship team, greeter team, info team, baptism team, tech team. You can be on the medic team. You can help with volunteer check-in. You can work with communications. You can even help with communion. And if this isn't enough ideas, you can email john at centeringalives.com and say, John, I got a better idea. I'll be, I'm open to listen. We'll add another line. But one thing I do not want you to leave here today with at all is the idea that I can be a spectator and let all these other people serve. You are not an orphan. You've been adopted into God's family. He left you here because he has important things for you to do. And the best way to discover your gifts and your abilities is to try them out right here. You've got to think of this church like a laboratory where I can experiment. And what we'd love to have happen is the same thing that happened to Erin. She helped out with one VBS meeting, and now all of a sudden she goes, I can do a lot more. Or what happened to Reed, where Reed was saying, hey, I was working on the worship team, and then I realized I can use this with cattle and the people I meet in those relationships. Or with Ken, it's like I started serving here, and I realized, oh, I need to do more than that. I need this every chance I can. Same thing will happen to each one of us. And so our hope is that you will circle an item on this card and drop it off today. One last word from the Bible, Ephesians 4.11. Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. If you want to know, that's my job description. That's the job description of our staff, is to help equip you, to help make sure that we've got opportunities for you to serve. 
every now and then I will have these fascinating conversations. It happened just recently again where somebody said, you know, you could automate a lot of the things that you do here at Centerpoint, and then you wouldn't need so many volunteers. It'd be much more efficient. And I go, yes, and it would be disastrous. Because the whole idea of volunteering for ministry gives people a chance to use their gifts and abilities in relationships with other people in the church. And then we begin to discover how God wired us and all the experiences he took us through and how he's gifting us and empowering us. And it's wonderful. What we want you to say after you've been volunteering here for a while is, I get to do this. It wasn't hard asking Reed or Ken, or Aaron, to share a word. In fact, we have lots of video from each of those testimonies we couldn't even show you. They love what God has been doing in their lives as they've been experimenting with this and serving. I get to do this. Last thing I'll ask you to repeat with me today. I get to do this. Let's say it together. I get to do this. We only have a few years here. As a church, we're pooling our resources. We've got staff people here to help train and equip people. We're even building a new facility here in Prattville that's going to open the doors for lots of people and it's going to open up lots of new ministry opportunities we've never been able to offer before. And this will give even a chance for more of us to play. I hope you're excited about that. But I want us to pray for a minute. So I want you to have this card in your hand. And this time I want you to pray with your eyes open and just be looking at this list. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Father, we come before you today, and we thank you so much that we could study your word together. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us life, to give us forgiveness. We thank you that you've adopted us and given us a place in your family. Lord, Lord, we are royalty. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful plan you have for each of us, for creating us with a high purpose in mind, giving us a sense of worth, giving us a sense of belonging to your family, giving us a mission here on this earth, and we get to do this. Thank you for placing us where you have at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our schools. Thank you for our lives just the way they are. And, oh, God, would you open our eyes for opportunities, for people you're going to bring to us this week who need love, who need hope, who need a word of encouragement? Would you open our eyes for needs that people have and remind us to pray for others as well as ourselves? Oh, God, we thank you that we are a royal priesthood, a holy people. And thank you for this marvelous reminder today that you are working in us and through us. And Lord, with whatever time we have left in this world, we just commit our lives to you. Show us where we can serve in the church. Show us where we can serve at home. Show us where we can serve at work and in our community. Guide us. We are not orphans. We are chosen, accepted, and your love for us is outrageous. We thank you, Lord, and we pray these things together in the name of Jesus. Amen.